guys. Welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi, guys. Welcome to the last episode of 2021. And it's a solo episode, which I'm so excited about. We have not done a solo in so long, and we've been gathering so much content to talk about today. Yeah, we have a great agenda today. I can't wait to get into it. (laughs) Also, happy new year. Happy end of 2021. So exciting. I hope everyone enjoyed their holidays and is excited to head into a new year. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. And I'm laughing because I saw a meme that said it's 2020 comma two T-O-O because we're pretty much just back where we were. Carly, you were making banana bread the other day. I've like (laughs) just reverted back to like sitting in loungewear and staying at home. So we're hoping for a more positive 2022. In my defense, I've been making banana bread for a long time, pre-COVID. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to talk all about 2021 and kind of our takeaways, as well as a bunch of fun info that we got from all of you listening and from our community on Instagram. But before we get into that, we wanted to just talk about some different listener questions that have come up and different topics that you guys have asked that we talk about and even some results for some of the fun polls that we post on Instagram. So we'll just go through a few questions and then we'll get into the 2021 heading into 2020. 22 stuff. Yeah. So one of the first ones we wanted to talk about, we did a poll and then we got a lot of really funny feedback about dating a coworker. I liked this one because I did meet Dan, my fiance at work. So I wanted to see what other people say had positive or negative experiences. So 32% of people have dated a coworker. And then we were laughing. The results were either like this went horrible. It was a train wreck or we're married. Yeah, it was like split 50-50. None of it was mild. It was all terrible. Like he was the worst. It was the worst. Or it was so great. We're married now. They're equal for both of them. I think that I feel like it's a great way to meet somebody, maybe not like on your actual team, if that's causes like some tension there or makes the uncomfortable work environment. But I feel like dating someone that you work with, you at least have similar interests, maybe career goals, you know, similar people, you have similar things to talk about. But I totally like understand how that could go south pretty quickly. Yeah. And then I was laughing about the contrast of the responses of how it went. So then I did a follow-up poll for if you guys did end up getting married or it worked out, do you still work together? And 70%, over 70% of people said, no, they don't work together anymore. So I feel like that's the key. Like it works that Mm -hmm. if it works out, you guys should no longer work together. Like it's not a long-term situation. Maybe it's a great way to meet someone. And like you said, it's a common shared interest type thing, but down the road, if you guys are starting a life together, probably wouldn't recommend also working together. Right. Unless you are Colleen Wacob and her husband. I was just going to say that. <laughs> founded Mind yeah. Body Green. And you're just yeah, a power Unless couple. you're a power couple like Jason yeah. and Colleen. <laughs> yeah. But even they don't, turn, they're not able to turn off at night. So it probably, yeah, I, I think that's true. You meet at work, you have common ground, you share a passion, you share interests, and then you move in separate directions and you have like relationship versus career. So if you're dating your coworker, I feel like just go into it knowing, yeah, (laughs) go into it knowing that one of you eventually is probably going to leave, whether it works out or not, because if it doesn't work out and it's a train wreck, then you probably won't want to work together either. So just be okay with one of you going elsewhere. But every time we put up a question box, somebody always asks about how to know if someone's the one or how to know if they're right for you and that kind of thing. And we've done a lot of talking about that. And also just a lot of talking about like whether we believe in quote the one, but 
We also have an Instagram post that we put up once that's like nine signs you might be settling and also signs someone is or isn't the one as well as a full mini episode just on that topic, signs someone is or isn't the one. For me, it's just like how they make me feel. I feel like that's the biggest sign. Like we could list like 20 different signs that like somebody might be into you or that you guys might be right for each other. But how you feel when you're with that person or after you're with that person, or even like when you're getting ready to go see that person can be big indicators of whether that person is right for you or you're right for that person. Like if you feel relaxed or excited to see them, it's very different from feeling like anxious and nervous all the time. It's normal to have some nerves before a first date and early on, but you should feel generally like at ease. Yeah. I feel like we could take that idea and just that's how we put it into all of those lists. Like you're supportive of each other. You feel at ease. Being with them feels like home. You're growing together. Like all of these different signs or ways that feeling might show up. But I completely agree with you. I feel like when you're with the right person, you just show up as yourself and you feel comforted. If you feel any of those red flags or you have doubts, you feel uneasy or you feel nervous. Those are all just flags to pay attention to that. This person's probably not the one for you. Also, like if you're really, really wondering and driving yourself crazy about if they're the one, then I feel like I would say that they probably aren't. Like, I think try to get out of your head. Stop wondering if they're quote the one and just enjoy getting to know this person, being with them, seeing where it goes. Know what you want long term, obviously, and communicate that and have your boundaries and everything like that. But if you're like so in your head and worrying about like if they're the one or if it's going to work out, then chances are there might be something off or it probably won't because you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. In my experience, all my positive relationships have just felt so natural and you should have that good relationship with yourself. Make sure you have healthy communication and the boundaries, like all of those things work on yourself and make yourself like a really strong partner. And then if the relationship kind of rolls with the flow and feels natural and you're not doing all that, like wondering, and you don't have those doubts, then that's a pretty good sign. You're on the same path and it's a good relationship. So yeah, yeah, that question always comes up. I don't know that I necessarily believe in the one as in one singular person, but having one relationship that's going to be sturdy and strong and reliable I think is one that has all of those really great attributes. And similarly, our next question is about breakup advice. So if you're breaking up with a long-term relationship and struggling to move on, I think knowing that that person was not the one and knowing you broke up for all of those valid reasons of, I did not feel myself. I felt uneasy. That's, I think the first step for me, it has always been super helpful to be very clear with myself about why that relationship was wrong Yeah, totally. We'll link our episode with Morgan Raphael and also our episode with Dr. Gary Lewandowski because both of those are great for post breakup. For me, I feel like my biggest advice is give yourself time to feel your emotions, be sad, cry, do whatever you need to do, but also keep looking forward and don't look back. So don't live in the past, live in the present, make it a clean break. Don't get back together. That is my strongest advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And plug for Dr. Gary Lewandowski. He also has a Ted talk on breakups. Don't have to leave you broken. So tune into that. He's my favorite person ever. He's so funny and so much good information there. Also, you can go deep on that Ted talk. The last time I've I've watched it multiple times. And last time I watched (laughs) it, like all of the recommended Ted talks next to it were all these other psychologists talking about the psychology of breaking up and moving on and getting over someone new. So (laughs) I went deep on that a few weeks ago. Definitely check it out. 
that. I love a, a psychological TED talk. Um, <laughs> okay. Our next question was I'm 35 in a long distance, something he visited. How do I know if we are actually something or if it's just sex, I don't want to end up hurt. This is such a good question. And it's like, so common. It's so valid to really be questioning things. Obviously we just talked about this a little bit about how do you know if they're the one kind of thing, but I feel like there's more layers to this because it's a long distance situation. You're also wondering if it's just sex, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, long distance is really tough in my opinion. And I think those early on stages are probably the hardest. You don't want to get yourself into a questionable situationship, especially when you're putting in all that extra effort for a long distance kind of thing. So I would say don't think about like typical timelines that people might give you in terms of like when to define things or how long to wait and all of that. I would say like voice your boundaries and like communicate what you want as early on as possible. And if you're having sex with them and you're nervous that it's just sex, make sure with them, make sure that you're exclusive, tell or tell them that you want to be exclusive, that you're not sleeping with somebody else and that you, that you want to be clear that you're looking for more than just that. So all you can really do in my opinion is be as clear about what you want and what you're looking for as possible and open up that invitation for them to tell you what they want. Yeah. Long distance. I've never been in it either. I agree with you that there's so much extra work that goes into keeping a long distance relationship positive that I would rather have the exclusivity and be really upfront and have the communication. So I know then how to navigate all of the other issues that come with long distance. Like this question's a lot about, I feel like just lack of communication in that relationship, which is not a bad thing. It's like really hard to bring up communication or bring up those questions in a new relationship. But I think just having some of those boundaries for yourself and being clear. So like you said, if you want exclusivity, even if it's long distance, I feel like it might seem early, but if you are doing something that's like a long distance thing, I would need that communication and that boundary or exclusivity up front. Yeah. And maybe it's even just like talking about how that's where you want it to go. And you want this to turn into something exclusive, even if one of you isn't ready yet. There's making sure you're on the same page about like the future and what your intentions are in general. The next also on the topic of sex, our next question was when to sleep with someone new. So I feel like this is a classic dating rule, like wait until three dates, wait until don't have sex on the first date. I think this is so personal. I've never really subscribed to one of those rules, hard and fast rules. I think it's just when you feel comfortable with this person. So I think just be clear about what you want. If you're going to get mad at yourself for sleeping with someone after a certain amount of time and then it didn't work out, just be prepared to to know that. If you want to wait until exclusivity, if you want to wait until the third date, just be really clear about what you want yourself. We did do a poll once that was, do people agree with no sex until the third date? And it was pretty split. 53% of people agreed with it and 47% Mm. didn't. So, I mean, I think it's becoming way less of a thing. I mean, everything goes in cycles. Like for a while, it was like a big thing and you weren't supposed to sleep with each other early on. And then it was throw out that rule out the window. And now like dating coaches are saying it again, because you should get to know each other first. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to find a rule or advice for like every single question you have in dating. I think I agree with Mia, like go with your gut. But I also would say if you're not sure, 
definitely wait. Like yeah. if you're wondering if you should sleep with them, if you think it's going to jeopardize your chances of being in a relationship with them, I would say they're probably, it's they're probably not right for you if that's going to make a difference. But I would also say then don't do it and wait and yeah. see why, why not wait. And I, I, I do agree with the fact that it's going to be better the longer you wait, getting to know each other better. And even like the first few times might not be that great. But then once you guys continue to build your relationship, it's just going to get better. I just think there's no rush if you are in it for something long-term. I think if I was dating now, I would definitely wait longer because I would just want to be really comfortable with a person. This also probably changes throughout what age you are in your life or how serious you are about dating or finding someone. I feel like I'm at the point where I'd be really just like, I would wait till I feel comfortable. And I think if you're asking this question of when to do it, you feel a little uncomfortable as to like what the repercussions would be. So I think just wait till you feel super comfortable with this other person where exactly like you just said, you're not going to wonder like, oh, is that the wrong decision? Because it's just like the natural next progression in your relationship and you both feel super comfortable and you're communicating. Totally. The next question I answered on Instagram, but I figured we could talk more about it on here. So this question was, I've gone on three dates with the same guy in about a week. How do I ask him to text more? I was shocked by this question. Three dates in about a week. That is a lot of dates. And I feel like a lot of dates. My first reaction just for myself, I felt a little bit like, oh my God, if I went out on three dates with somebody and they also wanted me to text them more, like I was just a little overwhelmed at how much am I supposed to text when we're also seeing each other three times in one week? Like that's a lot. But then I thought about it from obviously the person who asked it perspective and I would be the same way. Like if I like somebody enough that I'm going, I'm like getting myself ready to go out on three dates with them. And then they're silent between dates. That would be a huge red flag for me. And I would be like pretty annoyed by it. So this question was asked last week. We're recording this the week of Christmas. So my suggestion was you're probably not going to go on three dates this next week because of the holidays and everything going on and all of that. So I would use like this week of not seeing each other as much to try to spark more conversation over text. And sometimes you have to evaluate how you're texting too. Like, yes, I do think that both people should be making an effort. And some people would argue that like, if you're in a hetero relationship, the guy should be starting all the conversations. But in this scenario, when you've already been out three times and you think it's a good date, like, don't be afraid to like, ask them questions, be more conversational, be really flirty in texts. And I would probably, if it was me, turn it into a joke and say something like you better step up your text game. Otherwise I'm going to forget about you this week when we're not hanging out as much, like make a joke Mm -hmm. or like ask them. So you're not a big texter. Like what's the deal here? Turn it into a joke, be lighthearted. If they don't catch on and don't get the hint, then I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like from there you could be a little more clear if texting is really important to you, but I would start by just like dipping my toe in the water with with a little joke and feeling it out. Yeah. I feel like the week you had three dates, it's pretty normal not to be texting so much. If that means like it's no communication, that's a little weird, but like, how are you looking forward to tonight? I think that's a normal amount of communication when you're going on three dates in a week. But I agree with you. Like if you have, if you're then not going to see each other for a little while and he's still, or she's still radio silent for a week. I agree with you. It's like time to make a joke or just be lighthearted. I also like do subscribe to the rule of early date texting that you shouldn't text unless you have something to say. Like I don't like early on like fluff conversation throughout the day, but if you have something funny to say, you saw something that reminded you of them or what you talked about on a date, or you have a question to ask, then yes, I'm not here for like chit chat, pointless chit chat. Right. Actually, I don't know. Like I kind of am. I'm a big texter, but I feel like in early dating, there's not much to say, especially if you're seeing each other that much. 
I just feel like if I had gone out on three dates that were like great dates and then this week I was like home for the holidays, I would definitely want to be having a little like flirty texting conversation with the guy. Like even if it's just like small talk, I would definitely want that. And it would kind of be like annoying if when we weren't together, he was showing no interest. The next question also early dating is when is it okay to suggest a date after how many dates? I in like dating time, I usually waited for a guy to set up the first date and the second date. I think though, in my experience, you usually like find common ground or talk about something fun you want to do on those dates. I think it's totally fine after like two dates, three dates to suggest something, or it'll probably like in my experience, it came up normally on the date. Like, oh, you want to see this movie or you want to go to try this restaurant? Like, let's do it. Let's make a plan. I think that that's like totally fine to like suggest something or like then send a flirty message of like, Mm -hmm. oh, so when are we going to, I'm about to go see this movie without you unless we make a plan. I think it'll just like play off something that's like naturally coming up in the relationship that you both want to do and are interested in. And I don't think anyone would be turned off by someone suggesting a fun activity that you do together. I answered this on Instagram and I had a similar response. I said, after three dates, I would definitely feel like me personally, I would definitely feel comfortable suggesting a date or asking them out after three good dates. But that's not to say that you can't do it before that. That's just like usually how I tend to feel in dating situations. But I definitely agree with you. And I thought about that too, like, on good dates when you're just getting to know each other. Potential future dates come up very easily. It's something like I really keep an eye out for just because it is a lot of times love bombing and it drives me nuts Mm -hmm. when people are like talking about all that future planning. But if it's somebody that you're actually hitting it off with and you're the one who wants to drop hints for future dates, do it. Tell them that there's a movie coming out that you really want to see or that you love to go to... Central Park and get coffee on Sundays or like whatever it is. And then you can use that as an excuse to text them and say like, oh, I'm doing X, Y, Z. If you want to come do it anytime, Mm -hmm. I would say anytime. I would say if you're not positive and you're not sure how they feel and you don't know if you're getting the vibe back from them. No, I don't love dating rules, but I would still always go on the side of just like waiting for them to reach out and ask. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're like unsure next date's going to happen and you're waiting and it's still early. Like I was always in the camp of waiting for the guy to initiate. But if you're feeling comfortable and like have something that's a common ground and something fun you want to do, then why not? Yeah. And if they're texting you, you guys have a good texting banter going on, drop a hint for a date that you want to do or come out and ask them if they want to go on a date. Totally do that. But I think third date rule is definitely a good thing to go by if you're not sure. Yeah. The next question is also about early dating stage, how to relax an early dating stage, not to jump to conclusions. If you haven't heard from them, how to not get in your head. Once you start liking someone new, we've talked about this a little bit, very similar, these last few questions, but we also have a lot of really good content on this. Like six things to notice on a first date is a post on our Instagram feed. We can make a highlight of all our dating posts so that people can easily find them. But I think shift your mindset, shift from needing to find a partner and just enjoy getting to know that person, have fun with dating and just set like realistic expectations with yourself. So we also talked about this with Tanisha. We talked about it with Logan. Mm -hmm. We talked about it with a lot of people that have come on. Don't go out on dates thinking that you're dressing up so that you can meet your husband or wife or future partner. Go out and like, just be excited to meet somebody new, to talk to someone, to learn about them, to have fun, have like a, I don't know, a free dinner. We'll talk about that later, (laughs) Um, but just have fun with it. And that will make you relax. Like if you don't give yourself these like timelines and expectations and all these things that you think you need to have, then you'll automatically relax. 
Yeah. Take the pressure off. Like Tanisha is so fresh in my head, but yeah, we talked about it with Logan too. Just when two people go into a date with different expectations, they're on different dates, which is a quote from Tanisha, not myself. But I think that's (laughs) true. If you're putting so much pressure on this one person to be this thing that you imagined and you want this person to turn into your exclusive partner and your boyfriend and your husband, like that's a lot of pressure on someone that you're still getting to know. So I think this is time to have fun, get to know the person, go into it, like trying to figure out if you like this person. And also start dating other people. I think like if you have the chance in the early stages to still like have conversations with other people, that keeps the doors open. So it kind of, even if it's just the act of doing it, I think it puts you in the mindset of like other people are out there and I'm still in the phase of like getting to know all these people and decide if someone is worth my time of continuing a relationship. So even if you're not like not one to want to go on multiple dates with multiple people at the same time, I think like, being on the app still or being open to meeting people in real life just takes the pressure off of this one person. So it brings the expectations down a little bit. Yeah. That was another poll that we did. If people agreed with the phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to dating and 81% of people agreed with it. So just think about that, that Mm -hmm. if you're not seeing other people, they probably are. So just to keep your options open and that will make you less stressed about every individual date that you go on. Mm Mm-hmm. And the next question is I'm 31 and never been in a relationship. Is it too late for me? I got so upset at this question. Like, no, it's absolutely not too late. And I think it's a better year of your life to even like start thinking about dating because you change so much in your twenties. I feel like in my late twenties to early thirties was the first time I actually like kind of understood who I was and had a much clearer understanding of what I wanted. And feeling really confident in myself or built up more confidence. So no, this is the best time to date. I think that you should just get out there and try to find people who will compliment you in the way of like you already being really sure of yourself or probably having ideas of what you want in your career and yourself. And then you're finding someone who is a good compliment to you, not completing you, which I think in, at least in my experience was like what I was doing in early dating in my like twenties or younger years. I was like relying on finding a partner to like fill something. Totally. Me too. Again, I answered this on Instagram and what basically my biggest takeaway was your twenties are for learning who you even are. I was only figuring out who I was. I didn't have time to figure out who I also wanted to date. You're probably such a step ahead of people who spent their entire twenties desperate to find a husband because you've been focusing on you. You probably know yourself so well. And if you don't also don't beat yourself up, it's never too late to learn more about yourself, but it's also never too late to be in your first relationship. Personally, I wouldn't care at all if I started dating a guy and he had never had a girlfriend. I wouldn't, that doesn't make them any less ready for a relationship. It doesn't make them have any less life experience. They might've experienced a lot of other things that you haven't experienced. And I just overall don't agree with timelines and It's also like not to bring astrology into this, but I made a note to mention that it's that'll be that's after your Saturn returns, you go through a lot of changes in your late 20s. And if you are in a relationship during that time, you're probably going to hit some bumps in the road and you're going to really have a lot of personal growth that's going to 
require your relationship to have a lot of growth. It's not an easy time to be in a relationship during those mid to late 20s. And so right now, hopefully is a better time for you. And just use this as a push to get out there and put yourself on apps and just have fun with dating if you haven't had fun with it in the past few years, because you've been nervous about timeline and expectations. Just take that out of the picture. And no, it's never too late. There's never a bad time to get out there and meet the person that you want to meet. Yeah. I was in a relationship for eight years of my early to mid twenties. And I wish I was not, I would rather have just had the time to focus on myself because I think when I ended that relationship in my later twenties, I'm like, who even am I? What do I like? And how do I like kind of fix myself before I get into another relationship? So you've had relationships with friends and family, and even without the actual relationship experience, you probably have a great handle on what you're looking for. Okay. The next question, I'm just going to like pass right over to you because I think you are already giving advice on this Mm. on Instagram. So how to encourage your live-in partner to exercise or exercise more? Yes. And we've talked about this on our podcast before in our mini episode about moving in with a significant other. I talked about it a little bit with Sonia. I don't think you can try to change. You should not force change upon your partner. In my experience, it's just continuing to do the things I love. So that was continuing to exercise, making it a priority for me, waking up early and making sure I worked out even when I'd probably like want to hang out on the couch with my partner who was not getting up to work out. And I moved in and I started making healthy meals. And I think it's just, it, it was me continuing to just do what I wanted and prioritize myself. And then your partner just sees how happy you are. And if exercise makes you happy, they will see that and probably just start to be inspired by you. I'm not for like nagging, like, oh, you should really work out more or anything with a negative spin. I think a lot of what we talk about is like come from a place of positivity. So I think just doing something that makes you feel good, it's clearly showing like you'll be happy and it will just rub off on someone else. Also, you could do like some positive reinforcement, like I think you would love Peloton or let's go on a walk or bike ride together or a run. So there's ways to like bring it up lightheartedly, but I wouldn't bring it up a lot or like nag or make it seem like it's something you're like upset by that this your partner's not doing. Yeah. Depending on, I mean, if like Sonia was saying, like she's a fitness instructor, like she said, it probably mm-hmm. would have ended up being a deal breaker down the road if her yeah. partner didn't like to work out a lot. We've said this a lot before, but like know your deal breakers. And if that's one of them, then verbalize it to them. But I agree with Mia. And for me, like I've seen that firsthand in multiple relationships that I've had with people who really weren't super into fitness or working out. And just by seeing like how much I did it, they then did it. Like I dated a guy who was literally like never working out and ate super, super unhealthy. And eventually by like the end of it was running half marathons because I was doing that all the time. And he was just like inspired by what I was doing. But that said, like we also had many, many nights where we were just like drinking beers and eating nachos. And like, it was just like a balance of things. So I think as long as you Mm -hmm. have a balance in your life, then that person that you're living with will eventually create a balance in their life as well. And that's not to say they're going to make you unhealthy because they have unhealthy habits. It's just that you guys should both be able to balance things out and learn how to be healthier together instead of one of you forcing the other one. Mm -hmm. I agree. We love a good balance over here. I don't think I would. I think I mentioned this once before and you laughed. Like I would probably like hate being in a relationship with a guy who worked out more than me. (laughs) Cause like I tend to like 
get a little lazy and I like to work out on my own terms. It would might like annoy me if my partner was always working out or like super rigid. Like I'm not a rigid person. I like flexibility. So I don't think I would have like dealt well with a guy who like woke up at 6 a.m. hit the gym. <laughs> I just like my own I don't know. and my own yeah. boundaries. Actually, I took down for a couple of reasons, but on my dating app profile, I took off. I used to have a picture of me after the marathon with my medal. I took it off because at this point now, my last marathon was two years ago before COVID. And it felt like such an old photo to have on there. But also because every person that messaged me with would suggest like a running date. And I've dated people in the past that like would want to run together. And I don't know. I just feel like I like to have those separate things and running and working out for me is like such a self-care thing that it would be fun to occasionally work out with a partner, but I don't need them to like love doing all the same things that I love doing. I had partners in the past that were super into fitness, but different types of fitness than I was into. So they would go to their whatever class and I would go to my other class. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think like talking about it more, I think it's like, why do you want your partner to exercise? Is it because you're worried about his or her health? Is it because it's a must have quality that you do together? Like, I don't want to work out with someone else. Like my partner, that would really like annoy me. It's my time to like be by myself. Yeah, If it's a must have, like you want some someone or like, I think with the girl I was talking to wanted accountability, which is so like, that's valid. And like, I totally understand that. I thought that moving in with Dan was going to negatively impact me because of his, like the fact that he didn't really exercise. So I think it's like understanding what you want from the partner and then just like requesting it in a subtle way or suggesting working out together if that's what you want, or if it is like worried about their health, then that's a whole different rabbit hole. That's what it is for me. Like I would want somebody to be mm-hmm. working out a lot, not because I like need them to work out with me, but because I want them to be healthy and in shape. Mm-hmm. But the last question is a little bit vague, but leads us into really the rest of the episode. So it's not really a question. Somebody wanted us to talk more <laughs> about a big move or a big lifestyle change before or after the pandemic. So somebody who's thinking about moving or making a big change that might've been sparked by like all of this time at home or just the pandemic in general. So I thought it could be fun for us to just talk about our own experiences this past year, how things have changed and things that really are shifting with us moving into the next year. And not just us, but everybody listening and our Instagram community, everybody put in a lot of feedback on these topics. So Mm -hmm. let's just get into it. Yeah. I mean, COVID and the pandemic changed my life, I think, 100%. And of course, it was a really challenging time very scary and isolating. And I saw my family a lot less, saw friends a lot less. My friends have had babies who are now turning one or two, and I've met them not much or not even. So it's like been a really difficult time personally. And I'm sure so many people like we'll talk about the answers we've gotten, but a lot of people have felt that way too, like isolated or lonely or challenging. I though I do, I have always found the silver lining in COVID and like, here's why just speaking strictly and how it changed my lifestyle. I think prior, I was so run down and burnt out. I was working in jobs. I wasn't like super passionate about on this daily grind of getting up early, fitting in a workout, going to the office, being chained to a desk and not even because I was working, but because it was like expected that I was there from 9am to 6pm. Then I had plans that I felt like I had to say yes to. So I was going out all the time. I was eating on, like I tried to eat healthy and exercise, but then I had all of this time away from home and 
I wasn't sleeping well. I look back at that time because now after like COVID transformed that because it did give me the opportunity to work from home. I have made two job shifts, which has really was a result of me spending more time with myself and understanding what I wanted to be doing and help me like get on that path. And that was working with like, I had a call with AC and like some other like spiritual people that we've had on the podcast just to really like understand what I wanted. But the shift in just like being home, yes, it has a lot of downfalls, but I found that to be like a very transformative time because I found so many things that were wrong with my lifestyle in the past that I think if the COVID and the pandemic did not happen, I would probably still be in the same exact situation and never even have a chance to realize like how unhappy I was and how I could change it. So that was like my big takeaway. And that helped me like form an exercise routine I loved and choose the foods I love and choose the people that I want to be around more than just like being a people pleaser. Yeah. And I mean, this didn't happen in 2021, but you in 2020, you like even changed your living environment, which was huge. Mm -hmm. I feel like you wouldn't love being at home so much if you were still in your studio apartment on that breeze side, but now like you have space that you love. So you noticed, you realized like the importance of different things like that. Yeah, definitely. The importance of your space is huge. Definitely. And for me, in terms of big moves or lifestyle changes before after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I've had a lot. I mean, I was living in Chicago when the pandemic started and then I moved back to New Paltz where my family is. And then I moved to the city and now I'm back in New Paltz planning to probably move back to the city. So I've been back and forth a lot and I definitely feel like my lifestyle has changed since the start of COVID. It's impossible for it to not have. Everybody's lifestyle has changed. I don't know for sure if I feel like I've personally changed any more than I would have if it wasn't for the pandemic. I mean, I think that personal growth is important. And I think that like I commit to it every single year and every day to learn new things about myself. But I don't think that I've changed so much, which is interesting because we did poll our audience on Instagram and 92% of people said that they've changed since pre-pandemic. We also asked them if they liked their lifestyle better before or since the start of COVID. And Almost 60% said that they like it better now. Yeah, that's big. I feel like a lot, like the question that's interesting, like have I changed? Like all of these external things changed, which I think forced me to just change what I was doing. Did I change personally? I don't know. Similar to you, it's personal development that we're always trying to do and learning more. Honestly, we started our podcast, not because of COVID, but if you want to say, did I change between 2020 and now, then yes. But part of that was just inviting all of the conversations we're having every week and like thinking in a different way and like starting the podcast and our Instagram, like that has probably fueled personal growth. I've learned a lot. I just don't feel that I've like changed. My lifestyle has changed. I was actually one of the 43% that said that I liked my lifestyle better before COVID. Day to day, I like working remote and I like all the flexibility that COVID gives me, but I definitely do miss all of the social aspects of pre-COVID that have not really fully gotten back to how they are now. I just think that my pre-COVID lifestyle was just a lot more at ease than it is now. But we also asked people... We asked people to give one word to describe 2021. And this was really 
interesting to me. And we're definitely going to share these on Instagram too, because I really like, I love to see these kinds of things of how other people felt because it makes you kind of feel validated in your own feelings. And the two by far most commonly used words were challenging and growth, which I thought was so interesting because those definitely go hand in hand. If you have a challenging time, it's going to be impossible for you to not grow, to not grow as a person. And I think that it definitely 2021 was a really challenging year, just like 2020 was. And it's really cool that also like a similar amount of people saw as a year of growth. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like any challenge comes having to change the way you do or think about something. So therefore probably growing. I love that connection, but it was interesting I was able to find like a happy kind of medium, but it was interesting to see like stress. Like so a lot of people felt like nothing was happening and like a feeling of being stagnant and lonely and others were feeling a lot of like the restoration and the transformation. So I would be interested to like hear maybe more about what their work situation was like or dating or relationships or where you physically were, because I do think all of that will like play into how, how you think about this year for the past two years. Yeah. Like somebody said worst year ever. Other people said shitty, lonely, lethargic, but Mm -hmm. then other people said unexpected and transformative and restoration and life lessons and enlightening and all of that. It just goes to show, I mean, everyone's in different points at their life. Like there's highs and lows, but I think that my biggest takeaway in reading some of these responses was just to like, know that no matter how you're feeling, you're not alone because almost every Mm -hmm. single one of these had at least a few repetitive responses. And also just the importance importance of recognizing that, like recognizing how you're made you feel and thinking about how you want this next year to make you feel and focusing more on that one word or that one thought versus maybe some things that you want to leave behind in 2021. Yeah. I love that. We asked more about what people learned this year, which was super interesting. Taking all that external stuff, like your job and your social circle and like everything you're doing to keep you busy, busy, busy. Like the past two years, like let FDL people a lot of time to like evaluate themselves and like sit alone with themselves, which was probably a little jarring. Yeah, definitely. I loved reading what people learned this year. And there was a lot of self-care and self-discovery, like under the realm of self-care, someone said they just learned in general that self-care is important or that self-care is a priority. Other people learned how to cook. Other people learned learned that they really need a routine and a set schedule. Other people learned they had to slow down more and be kinder to themselves. All of that I feel like is in the self-care realm, which we talk so much on here about self-care. So we won't talk about it for too long today, but we have also on our Instagram, a lot of great content about self-care and the best self-care for your love language and for your astrology sign and free self-care practices. But self-care was definitely a huge, huge thing. Also, when we asked people about what they wish they did more of, that was one of the things that was a very common theme. But in the self-discovery, there was even more people learning more about themselves and really like committing to that. Like somebody said they learned to trust themselves. Somebody said they learned that they don't like being with themselves, which is similar to what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) It's like similar to what you just said about like this time really does force you to have a lot more time alone in many situations. And if you learn that you don't like that, then... Honestly, that's a good thing because that can you can learn why and figure out what you need to do to like who you are and like being with yourself. And other people learned where their triggers come from. Other people learned to take responsibility for their actions. 
Somebody said that they learned patience, which I thought was such a good one. I just wanted to say like quickly about being alone. I don't think like, I just want to like give a giant hug to everyone who I'll give you a hug. Like if we're living <laughs> alone during, like I would not be able to do that. I think I'm singing like such a different tune about my own experience because I have lived with someone. I would probably... I would have to like move in with my parents and hang out with them all the time if I lived alone. So I, my heart goes out to you people because I can't, I'm like, no, I'm not a loner. (laughs) You like alone time. I really like, like, I feel like I I like it in small doses. Living with someone, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's so true. Being alone is really hard. So I definitely feel for the people who said things like that in response to this poll and just people who are listening, who have spent a lot of time alone this year and felt lonely. You are not alone. A thousand percent. There's always, there are always other people out there that are feeling the same way, but more of what people wish they did more of. I thought that this was really interesting and I want to know what you wish you did more of but some of the overarching themes here were people just wish that they did more fun things and like enjoyed themselves more like people wish that they let loose more were more social took more time off work traveled more had more sex spent more time dating went out on more date nights with their significant other or spent more time with friends those were huge like somebody even said they wish they spent more time with their ex I wondered if maybe if they spent more time with that person it would no longer be an ex right like about that too. I, yeah. I'm like, do they want to <laughs> hang out with an ex or did they wish they spent more time with the person before they were an ex? I'm guessing know. that's probably I hope what it I think was. it's that one. Yeah. Don't hang out <laughs> I with definitely don't want to spend more time with my ex. I loved these, but I also like if people are looking back, like wishing they did more of these things, like remember we were in a global pandemic. I don't know if it was just like making time to do it or like you were scared to like travel or like fearful of travel or being in social settings or dating. Like give yourself a little grace if it was those reasons. And then in retrospect, you're like, I haven't traveled or I feel like I've done nothing in two years. But I mean, in the times, the pockets of time that were safer, I like wish I traveled more. I wish I saved more money. I realized I spend like a ton of money on like nothing. And (laughs) I did really well in the beginning of the pandemic with finances. So I wish I kept that up. And I do wish I'd spent more time with family and friends when I could. That's why. Yeah. And this wasn't meant to be like a regretting situation or like, what do you regret not doing? It was more of a going into a new year. What do you wish you did more of this past year that you could do more Mm -hmm. of in 2022? And I'm thinking more about it. just like a regular going into a new year. What do you want to do more of? Cause you didn't do enough of it this past year. Like other things people said were again, self-care in that realm. Somebody said saving money, like multiple people said that. So I definitely agree with that. I totally feel that mm-hmm. at the end of a year, I'm like, why did I spend that money on like that random t-shirt that I never wear? And people wish they <laughs> read more or slept more. I, do. Worked out I more. wish I read more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Also, like someone said, people said like some interest, other interesting things, like wish that they expressed their feelings better, wish that they just did things without making excuses, wish that they took more risks or established better boundaries, volunteered more. All of those I loved because it's just, again, like getting to know yourself and things that like, you know, make you happy and that you wish you did more. For some reason, one of those like really hit home for me. I didn't expect it to, but one of them, the one that said, just do it without excuses. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, why do I like procrastinate on things and things? about doing things for so long i am you're much more like a doer than me i think i'm i like think about things for so long and i wish that i wasn't like that i think i need to be more of an action person so i'm trying to do that like in my job in my personal life so that's something i'm taking with me into 2022 
I also liked like more date nights with my husband. Someone wrote that in. We talk about that so much. I think like the relationships that are around us a lot, we like forget to put a lot of care into like date nights with your partner. Definitely still do. I, we, Dan and I have had a lot of those and like, it's fun. And it, even if we're only seeing a lot of just each other, it like makes it something special. These were also interesting. I think this list, like probably asked in this way, like, what do you wish to do more of was a great way for people to like reflect. And like you said, what do I want to do? Like rather than setting a resolution, we kind of asked it in like retrospect, which is now a way to set a resolution. So we'll definitely share all like screenshots of all of these on Instagram so that everybody can be inspired to do more of these things in 2022. Mine is my final answer for this one. I wish that I took more pictures, which like sounds funny because we have a social media account where we post pictures every day, but I just like, mm-hmm. I'm so bad at taking pictures when I'm doing things with friends and family. I forget about it. I guess it's a good thing because I'm living in the moment, but I do always wish that I had more things to look back on. That's a good one. I, whenever I go home, we look at photo albums and I really want to bring back photo albums because I mm-hmm. know everything exists on my phone, but it's so nice to have a printed album. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we are going to talk about 2021 dating trends and then our predictions for 2022 in the dating world. So let's mm-hmm. run through a few of these 2021 dating trends that we have seen over the past year. Yes. So Dating trends, intentional dating, like we've talked about a lot of mindful dating, people just being more clear about what they want, a trend, increased app usage. I feel like 2020 and 2021, I imagine tons of people were just on apps without a lot of that social interaction. Honesty about what you're looking for, always here for that. Anti-ghosting, that was a huge trend and I'm happy. I'm very happy about it. Yeah. And intentional dating and honesty about what you're looking for, like goes together. I like Both of those have been huge topics on this podcast alone, but also like all other places. I feel like I hear people talking more and more about just not just going through the motions and actually like knowing what you're looking for, why you're on a dating app, what you're doing, like people being more attracted to people who are upfront about what they're looking for. We also asked on our Instagram about if people broke up a lot this year, because I wanted to know if this year was like a big year for breakups. I feel like I had been hearing that it was a lot. And we saw a Tinder, Tinder did a survey and 48% of people who are in the survey broke up with someone in 2021, which was like pretty close to our poll. 38% of our Instagram audience broke up with somebody this year. I think that probably has a lot to do with a lot of what we've talked about, about like personal yeah. development and getting to know yourself better and like the pandemic and all of that. And like what we just said about more intentional dating and honesty about what you're looking for. People just realizing that the person they're with is not meeting the needs that they're looking for. Yeah. And that was another one of the trends that we were going to talk about, like the positive impact of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It really made people think about what they like and what they don't like about dating and what they're looking for specifically in a person. So I think that that all leads to the intentional dating, obviously huge. I don't know if it's even counts as a trend, but like a huge thing this year is being more health conscious when you're dating, especially in a COVID world. It's so weird that we got vaccinated this year. Like it's so weird to think like early this time a year ago, no, no one was vaccinated and like, yeah, do like so many of these things now. And you, you need to know basically if you're going out with someone who's not vaccinated, I know there's going to be some people listening who are not into the vaccine and all of that, but it definitely is for a lot of people in the dating pool important that they find out if a 
first date or somebody that they're starting to see is vaccinated or what their situation is in that arena. And then of course, video dates wasn't a huge Mm. thing in terms of like people (laughs) we asked on Instagram. Like a lot of people didn't do video dates this year, but I do think that they're still here to stay like first date phone screen or first date video screen. I think that people are still going to want to keep doing that. And they did in 2021, but also voice prompts that came out. I, on <laughs> I love this. I love this. So we talk about this all the time. Like a voice is a defining factor in a relationship and, or like in your attraction to somebody. And I'm so happy Hinge has a voice prompts. I'm not on Hinge, but if I was, I would want the adoption rate to be 100% because it's, it's just fun. And I think yeah. voice is important, but 64% of users also agree that voice was an important factor to gauge if they like somebody. And if you're interested in this, follow Jared Fried on Instagram. He does the funniest (laughs) hinge voice prompts you'll ever hear. I get so excited when I'm on Hinge and I see a guy who's hot you and have then one? I, he also has a voice prompt. No, so I don't have one. Honestly, like it's made me swipe no on multiple people. So it's like a good thing that they have this voice prompt for me to weed these people out. At least I count it as a good thing. But I wish that they just gave you something to say. I don't know. I yeah. feel like it's awkward. I wish it was like everybody has to read this like one sentence or something yeah, like, like that. that like, when, you're, <laughs> when you're picking a font on a computer and it's like the fox jumped over the log. Yes, yes. Like but somebody... <laughs> <laughs> like people will answer because you just answer any of the hinge prompts. Like this one guy answered how, how to pronounce my name and his name was Sam. And so he was just like, Sam, yeah, <laughs> like, I could barely tell like, what his name was. Yeah. Are they usually funny? Are they usually like, what are the trends? People like saying people are trying oh. to be funny. Like, yeah, it's really, it's a weird world. Definitely send us some clips of your voice prompts. Anyone listening, if you guys have heard a good one or a bad one, cause I'm always curious. I feel like people are afraid to use it now because they think it's going to wind up on like a TikTok or something. Cause they're all over TikTok. People making fun of these voice prompts. I don't yeah. know, but you definitely think it was a great thing. Astrology, I think was another dating trend this year. Like people being more interested in the other person's sign and everything. And I found these fun stats from Bumble, which I thought were so funny that people who shared their sign, like put it on their profile, had almost a 60% increase in their average number of matches. You think guys are putting their sign? I think so. I think that's funny. Maybe I'm going to put my sign on my profile. Like if anything, I feel like it just starts conversation. Yeah. I have so many different thoughts on astrology. Like I'm more into human design. And I mean, I guess I'm more into it as I've learned more about it, but I'm like, so not an Aries, I don't think, or like I have like very few tendencies of an Aries, but always here for learning about astrology. If astrology is getting you like 60% of you more dates, then that's amazing. Yeah. And so leading into like 2022 dating trends and our predictions for them, we talked about intentional dating, which I think people are way more intentional about how they date in 2021, like we just talked about. But I think that's going to continue into 2022. I think that people are going to continue to learn more about themselves to just really think about dating and be more mindful with it. We also Mm -hmm. shared a post on our Instagram account tips for mindful dating. And we talk about that in a few different episodes, but I also like a thing that kind of coincides with that is a new term that I learned recently that I think is going to be huge in 2022. And I needed to talk about it on here. And we're definitely going to do a post (laughs) in our near future. But this term is hardballing. And I think it really coincides with intentional dating and just having like 
the need for more clarity in general. So when I was trying to learn more about what it meant, I looked up an article in InStyle and I was so excited because I actually found a quote from Logan Yuri, who is a former guest, an author and a psychologist and just the, the smartest person ever. I agree with everything <laughs> she says, but she defined hardballing as a new dating term that means someone is being clear about their expectations of a relationship, whether you want a serious long-term partnership or a casual fling. So in our words, like it's just getting rid of the lack of clarity, no more situationships, being clear about where you stand with a partner, where you want to stand and just making clear, quick, hard decisions and sticking with them. We've talked about this before, like your boundaries, your deal breakers, all those, like they're only a boundary. They're only a deal breaker if you actually enforce them. And I think that this term is like all about being Mm -hmm. honest and open, communicating with your partner, but also with potential partners. And just like not really having like the time of day for people who are just breadcrumbing and love bombing and like all of those things. I feel like people are just kind of like, enough is enough already. And I think in 2022, people are going to be like a lot more not accepting any of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally, I agree with that. I feel like also social media, you're just like ghosting and all of these terms, these like terrible negative terms have just been talked about so much. And now if people are going to have like own their feelings and be more honest, like, sure. It's amazing. Like hardballing. That doesn't necessarily mean like stating I want a relationship and I want to get married. That could like, like you said, also just be, I want a casual fling and I'm going to be honest and upfront with you because I'm a good normal person who's not going to lead you down the wrong path. We're getting older. Like (laughs) everyone just needs to like, we're getting to know ourselves more. We are, I'm hoping like all of these trends that we've seen with setting boundaries and getting to know yourself and all of that that's spreading into your relationships like all I want in 2022 even in a relationship is to have better communication with my partner like no more rule playing or hiding my feelings or like tiptoeing around someone else's feelings it's being very open and communicative and like Tanisha said again (laughs) the ghosting like was more about not wanting to hurt another person and I feel like people think that not communicating is saving the person kind of putting them in an ignorance is bliss situation, saving them from hurting their feelings. But I think just be upfront with your feelings. If you don't want to date someone, let them know. Yeah. And also in a hinge survey, so that one in three people had been in a situationship in 2021. And in the same survey, 75% of people, like three quarters of the people wanted a relationship. So people are just settling for these situationships and these situations that they don't want and not being upfront about what they want or like holding hard to their deal breakers or expectations. And I think that's changing. Maybe it's wishful thinking, mm-hmm. but I really do think that it's changing mm-hmm. and that 2022 is going to be the year of getting what you want, voicing what you want and sticking to it. I'm here for it. And I wanted to talk about second dates because we've talked with so many dating coaches and just people talking about relationships and the spark and chemistry and meeting someone new and being clear about what you want and giving someone the second date, unless they do something really disrespectful or you clash on a lot of different reasons. But if it's just like a simple, I didn't feel the spark on the first date. The advice there is to go on a second date because that's the real first date. That's when the bandaid comes off and you really get to know someone. And I think like that's a 22 going to be like more of a trend, just giving someone more time to get to know them without relying on the spark as that's the advice that we're fed from a lot of different sources. But I was talking to people today and there was a different perspective of, I know if I like someone in the first five minutes or after the first drink, like I'm totally certain after one date with someone, whether or not I 
I'm going to have a connection with them. And the girl said, being told to go out on a second date and give this person another chance is wasting more hours of my life and like could end up leading me to settle if I'm here to think that I shouldn't have that connection I'm looking for. So I think there's two different perspectives here. I think you should go out on a second date. What's the harm just to learn like one level deeper of if a person like without the fireworks and the spark, which might be a bad thing and get to know them a little better. If after the second date, I wouldn't like demand a third, but I don't think like you could be aware and not settle. That doesn't mean you have to settle. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts and I totally agree with you that I like see both sides of it. But what I would say to that person is. I think that, well, first of all, about like wasting your time. I totally hear that because I've had so many times when like, I just don't feel like going out on a date and I'm like, why am I going to waste my time meeting this person I've never met? Or even if it's like somebody you weren't sure about in the first date, like, why am I going to waste another hour of my life? But like how many hours of my life do I waste watching TV or like scrolling my phone? So at that, I would just like put that mm-hmm. out of my head. Like, I don't think that it's going to be a waste. And if you think that it's like just kind of enforcing settling, I think that it's just as likely to like cause you to think about settling as it is to cause you to actually end up liking somebody that you didn't think you liked on the first date. So I'm more in the field of thought of you don't really know somebody after a first date, like somebody could be so nervous, somebody could have had like the worst day ever, and they're not really on their game. Like there's just so many factors that go into it. And like you've said, you are engaged to somebody who you were friends with first and your last relationship, you were friends with them first. A lot of people like I've definitely I think we did a poll on this too, but I've definitely developed feelings for friends that like I never or coworkers that like the first time I met them, I never would have thought that I would have been interested in them. So I think yeah. that you're more likely to end up liking somebody after two dates than you are to just know after one date, if you like them, I would go as far as to say that, like, I think you should go on like a few dates, like, unless it's terrible, unless you're literally so busy that you feel like this is just wasting so much of your time that you can't do that then don't. But if you're like really looking to find somebody and you're serious about it and somebody doesn't have a bunch of red flags and you feel like there Mm -hmm. could be potential and it's just the fact that you don't feel a spark or like, you know, that, you know, in the first 50 seconds and you didn't with them, I would say give it another chance for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is people getting hung up on like, I didn't like his voice or I just like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes things that are not as important of qualities as a person are the things that are making people say like, no, I don't want a second date. So it definitely is exploring that. And I think like when you do have a a friendship with someone, yeah my previous relationship or my relationship, we met as friends. I can't really remember like the thought when we first met, we were both in relationship. So I wasn't viewing this person as a potential partner, but like how many times have you had a friend or you know someone and over time you see their great qualities and then you're like convincing your friends they're a great guy and like give it a chance like that's firsthand where you're seeing that this relationship you've had with someone like took a while to get to know them and see how much of a great person and how compatible you are like someone's intricacies of their personality like their sense of humor and the thoughtfulness that doesn't always come across in like their first date or the first five minutes so I think that I'm all for giving people some time. Yeah. And uh, listen, I'll tell a little story here. I went on a first date years ago and I just like, didn't feel a spark. I thought he was like too into me and I wasn't really feeling it and didn't think he was super attractive. I was in my like mid, I guess, mid twenties. And 
So I didn't go out with him again. I, I told him I wasn't interested. And that was kind of that. A few years later, we ended up working at the same company. And I like honestly had like the biggest crush on him. And he was engaged to somebody else. It was like completely innocent. Like I never would have acted on it or anything. But after spending like hours with him every day at work, I was like, oh my God, he's so cute. I was like suddenly finding him attractive. I thought he was so cool. He had such a good vibe. And I totally didn't get that on the first date because I was kind of like judging him for like being too eager, too interested, or like kind of picking apart everything he said. And again, that was also like my mid twenties where I felt like I, I feel like I didn't have as much knowledge about dating or like enough maturity, or I wasn't really familiar with what I wanted or what I was looking for. But again, like I didn't go out on a second date with him. And years later, when I got to know him better, I was like, wow, I totally could have dated this guy. So I would say always give it the second date for sure. Uh, a few more trends. So I think people are going to be a lot more open and interested in sober dating. I feel like every time we've done an episode where we've talked to somebody about their sobriety or about just being sober curious, we talked to Lindsay Metzler about why she became sober. We talked to Sarah Levy about why she became sober and her experience dating while sober and everything like that. And every time we post those episodes, way more people are showing interest in it and wanting to learn more about sobriety. So I think that's going to be huge. I think that people are starting to be more interested in doing things, activities for dates. I think that in the past it was always like, let's go get drinks. Let's go get drinks. During COVID people started doing like more walks and things like that. But I think even now, like people are just like ready to do fun things and get out there and do a date. That's not just like dinner and drink. Yeah. I love that. I think a big reason like I didn't want to go on like a ton of dates was because it's so much drinking and it just felt like the norm. So I'm glad that that is shifting in people's mindsets and what they want and also reflected in the data. And in my family, half of my family is sober. So it's kind of like, even just for me reframed, like holidays don't need to be like focused around alcohol or like a dinner on like a summer dinner. Like there's ways to enjoy yourself or like game nights with my family or just like New Year's Eve with my family. Cause I always, I usually spend New Year's Eve with my family, just seeing how my sisters, my mom, they don't drink and they have a great time. And my sisters look life of the party and they're having the most fun with game night. So I think alcohol is used as a crotch oftentimes in social settings, especially on dates to like loosen up. And there's nothing wrong with that. I always had drinks on dates and I'm actually like, I've had a wine advent calendar and drank every single night of December so far and think my advent calendar is negatively impacting my life. But <laughs> You're I'm rethinking the advent calendar? <laughs> no, I love it, but it's it's so funny. It's like, what is that? The Pavlov theory where they train a dog yeah. by like ringing a bell and they need a, a treat. Like the sun sets and I'm like, where's my advent calendar wine? <laughs> <laughs> so Hinge reported a stat that 83% of UK users prefer to date someone who goes to therapy. I love this. I think people just want to know that you're going to start a relationship with someone who has like some self-awareness and is working on themselves and trying to better themselves. I think yeah. like, even if you express that type of stuff without like actually being in therapy, I think that's probably might also fit the bill here. Yeah, I agree. And another part of that was that even though people are like more likely to go on a second date after therapy's mentioned, people are still not comfortable bringing it up. And I think that that's probably, it definitely is changing. And I think it's going to continue to change. I think that more people are seeking therapy, more people are working on themselves and people are attracted to that. And doesn't, like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be therapy, but just a focus on mental health. And I think that that's going to continue to be huge. The last thing that I think is going to be huge in 2021 or 2022 is the continuous reevaluation 
definition of dating rules, which we were going to like Mm -hmm. go into this and talk about this for like the, it was going to be the second half of this episode, but we've already spent so much time talking about everything else that I think we should save this for a future episode. But We've kind of been as a collective overwhelmed by the amount of rules that people have put on us for dating. And while I agree with a lot of them, I don't overall agree with like the fact that they're rules. Like I think that there's always an exception. There's like always a different scenario and different way of thinking about things. And we can definitely have a whole solo episode where we talk about rules that you guys don't agree with, the rules that you do agree with, rules that we agree with and don't agree with and all of the above. But this was so much fun. I feel like just talking about everything from 2021 and what we're in 2022. I love it. I love it. I, this was such a good episode. I feel like I just had a little therapy session of like reviewing the year and thinking about what I want for the next year. And yeah, the dating rules, it's like so overwhelming, but I think a lot of what we talked about today of just people being clear about what they want and being more comfortable with themselves, like make your own rules. I think like having a set of rules might be good to navigate these times, even like take dating out of it. Just like a set of rules to go into 2021. And it's like not rules, but just boundaries for yourself. I think that's a better term boundaries. So we'll have to come back and do like a dating rule deep dive because there's a lot to talk about here, but this was so so fun. And thank you all for listening. And a lot of today's content came from you. So we're just so grateful to have a community that talks to us and sends us questions and content. And we're so happy to have you listening. Yes. Truly like the best part of 2021 was having this podcast. Thank you guys so much for ending the year with us. And we hope everybody has an amazing new year's. Thank you so much. And we will be serving up a whole other year of content. So happy 2022.